everyone. I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 203 of Yoga Land. Today, it's back to you and me, Jay. It's back to a conversation between us. I had, why did you take the last, what was it, seven weeks off from podcasting? <laughs> I didn't. You just didn't happen to be the guest. What? Yeah. It, it you know... It happens sometimes. I have to have my agent have a better conversation with your agent. We can do that. We can arrange that. I'm, of course, joking. You have had such an awesome panel of people on over the last month and a half. And one of them, Andrea Jane, was just part of my teacher training program, this yes. third module. I hired her to just come do a two-hour Q&A on the history of yoga, culture, cultural appropriation. We talked about activism. And it was so nice to have her. And part of the reason it was so nice is because these conversations require just that. They require a conversation. You know, these are all such nuanced subjects. And talking about appropriation and yeah. Yeah. And so and so it was just so nice to be able to host this opportunity for students. And also, it was an open invitation as well for everyone that has graduated from my 300-hour program. So it was a great opportunity where I saw all sorts of people, and they joined us, and I people that I haven't seen in a couple of years. So um, it was a really special occasion, and Andrea I'm glad was, to be back. Andrea was a hit. Yeah, for sure. She went over really well. She's so, you know what I mean? She's like, she's so, this is what I said to her at the end is that I appreciate her scholarship and her humanity. Mm. You know, like I just feel like not only is she in this incredible wealth of knowledge and not only does she have such a high level of intellectual integrity, but she's empathic, Mm. you know, she's Mm. empathic. She's practical. She understands And it was nice to have a conversation with a highly respected academic who also is just really immediate and accessible and Mm -hmm. relatable. So yeah, it was, it was really nice to have her on. I'm really excited and interested to read her next book, which is coming out really soon. Um, Especially because I'm anxious to see how her research on yoga has progressed. Um, and I think how you, much she throws it under the bus. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know. We'll see. So, you know, one of the things that is a pet peeve of mine in broadcasting is when people use the word anxious, but they really mean eager. I know that is a pet peeve. Of you yours. are anxious. I, I, I paused before <laughs> yeah. I said anxious because I know it annoys you, but that was the yeah. correct word. I am a little anxious to see what she well, thinks. Well, we kind of touched into it a little bit, right? And... One of the things that I expressed to her is that I think that for a lot of people, the yoga practice becomes this deeply sensitizing process whereby they not only pay a little bit more attention to what's happening within themselves, but they start to pay a little bit more attention to what's happening in the world around them. And I brought up the conversation of Patanjali. And, and you know, when Patanjali is writing about Ahimsa, he is not writing about vegetarianism, but... It is entirely reasonable that people who do yoga and read Patanjali start to interpret in a way where they just decide, you know what, I no longer want to eat meat. So one of the things about Patanjali and one of the things about the yoga tradition that helps it continue to sustain itself is that 
it is malleable and that there are many different perspectives to take. And so I was kind of going on that I think that for a lot of people, yoga is sensitizing and that it can be a path for some towards becoming more interested in social justice and so forth and so on. And and there was a, and she had a little pushback, right? Mm-hmm. Which was that it, she kind of said, "Yeah, that can happen," mm-hmm. but I think often it doesn't. So it was a it was a good little taste, I think, of what a future project of hers will be. I think it publishes in three days, so you don't have to be anxious for much longer. <laughs> well, it's it's actually hard to get in three days. I don't think you can get it on Amazon for a little while, but I'm trying to find it elsewhere. So I just completed this big, long training, and we have talked so much over the last couple months about how the nature of teaching has been shaken Mm -hmm. by COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, how it's really been shaken, how it has really gone from being centralized within yoga studios to now being very decentralized and pulled out of yoga studios, right? and. In the course of all of these conversations, one thing has really dawned on me, and this is something that I've, I, I've been really eager to share with all of our listeners, because it's something that we have been talking about so much in these programs, and I've been helping people strategize around, which is if you are a yoga teacher, you are now an online yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. You are now an online yoga teacher. And the reality is you will probably continue to be an online yoga teacher because of this decentralized process where even as different communities are able to go outside to practice social distancing, there is still the necessity to make your content and your classes super accessible and super available to everyone, right? And so you and I have talked about digital strategy and digital content for so long. And I feel like the conversations that I've had about digital content and strategy with my teachers in the past has not felt like as much of an immediate pressing issue, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because the majority of yoga teachers as of five months ago make the majority of their revenue teaching in person, yep. right? Teaching live in-person classes. And now everyone sees that's different. Mm-hmm. So even people that don't really want to teach in the digital space necessarily or create digital content, they're now seeing that this is part of the job, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like when I first came across Instagram, I thought, okay, I guess this is part of my job now, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I think what we want to do is these conversations that we have had about digital strategy, digital content. And for me, I'll say it differently as a teacher, which is digital education, you know, thinking about how as yoga teachers, we can be more systematic and more methodical, not just in our classes, but in the content that we create and how we help facilitate this. Mm -hmm. So I know that this is something that you spend a ton of time thinking about. So I think it'd be really helpful if you talk through what you think are some of the most important reasons or some of the most important tips that you have for people that want to be a little bit more proactive with online content. Yeah, absolutely. I 
have definitely been thinking about this for a long time because it's what I do. <laughs> it's what I do for us. And it, it's what I started doing with my very first job in the, in the 90s, dating myself a little bit here. But I think that the most important thing to remember is that your students need you right now. And the yeah. only access they have to you is online. Yeah. For the most part. I know that there are some states that are opening up a little bit. There are some countries that are opening up a little bit. But as you said, it's so different. It's not the same walk into your studio, throw your mat down, give your friend a hug, talk to your teacher for 20 minutes afterward, go have tea. It, it's That's not happening. So I see it kind of as a call to, to yoga teachers to just be present online and to like think about your presence online in both a generous and a strategic way. Yeah. So one of the very first questions that I got when I talked to this group, your module three teacher trainees who just finished was, how do I make the time for this? And I think this is the thing that holds most people up. And I think that this is the thing that, as you said, when you used to teach these modules live, we would touch on it a little bit with people. They would have a question here or there, but there wasn't the urgency that people have now. So now there's this urgency. Okay, how do I make time for this? What do I make time for? So I want to say that it's more important to be consistent than it is to be prolific. And I think that sometimes, especially in social media, we it's really easy to compare ourselves to people with huge accounts. And like the person that comes to mind for me is Rachel Brayton. Every time I go on Instagram, her post is one of the first ones I see because she is prolific. That woman can create content like there is no tomorrow. She's amazing at creating content in a very genuine, authentic way. I will never create as much content as her. I just won't. And so I don't need to compare myself to her when I see her. I can I can instead sort of read her stuff and see it as inspiration. And so you don't have to think of creating the biggest following. You don't have to think of posting two, three times a day or even every day, to be quite honest. It's more important to be consistent, to decide on a schedule and to commit to it. And that consistency builds the connection to your people. And that consistency also builds your consistency muscles. It builds your ability to keep creating the content. You know, people ask like, well, how, where do I start with sharing and creating content? It just start sharing and creating content. And the more that you do it, the more you'll learn and be able to iterate and keep going. When you're talking about content, so if we can kind of unpack that a little sure. bit, right? So when you're thinking about content, for me, what I think of as content as a yoga teacher might be a little bit different than you, right? So when I think about content, the first thing I think about is class content. Uh -huh. I think about planning classes, planning workshops, planning retreats, planning trainings. So when you're thinking about online digital content, are you thinking about planning classes, planning blogs, planning... I think of the medium, right? So I think mm. about committing to a medium or two. So most people are on social media. And so that's one of your mediums. Highly recommend that all yoga teachers have their own newsletter, their own email newsletter. That's another medium. And then the third category is sort of like the bigger commitment category, right? Which is either a blog 
or a vlog, like a video vlog, something on YouTube or a podcast. Not everyone has to have a podcast. Not everyone has to have a blog, but I do think choosing one of those three is a good idea. I'm starting a podcast. Good. (laughs) You totally, you didn't take the bait on that. You know, I want to circle back. never take your bait. You're pretty good at it. You can't have well, been with have someone for practiced. 15 years. Exactly. I want to circle back to not worrying about having a big audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't want this conversation to just start to become just about social media. But this is something that I try to instill in, in helping teachers understand that the majority of their business, from just a business perspective, the majority of their livelihood is going to come from a relatively small group of people right? It's just, it's one of these things that if you think about what sustains you, it's your consistent students. It's your regulars. We have a lot of listeners. We have a lot of listeners, but there is a small number of those listeners listeners that are always there. They're always sharing. They're always commenting. They have done my trainings, right? So from just a pure revenue perspective, it's important to not think about that top line number of followers or engagements. And it really is much more about the consistency. And then you also, this first big point that you've brought up is your students need you. They need you now more than ever. More than and, ever. Right. And I would say that you don't, when you when we're creating this content or we're, we're creating social media posts or whatever it is, we want to not be thinking about the ether. We want to be thinking about who our audience actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, when I write content, when I create programs, whatever it is, I'm not thinking about people that I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm really thinking about my base and, mm-hmm. and what I see when I'm in class, what I see as a student that they can benefit from. Mm -hmm. And so just being connected, keeping it close to home and understanding that that really is not only, I think, where we get the most amount of connection and satisfaction as an educator and as a person in community, but also from a pure livelihood perspective, it really is where the majority of yoga teachers are going to make the majority of their living. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's very important what you just said to not compare your numbers or your following. And I also think it's really hard. Oh, of course I have, you know, it's just hilarious over the last few weeks. For some reason, I've started to look to look at other people's numbers because I haven't been posting that much. So my account hasn't been growing at all. And I'm blown away by how many people have, and not just, just in the yoga world, just anywhere have like 250,000 followers, just I'm a holistic nutritionist and someone has 250,000 followers and I can go down the mental rabbit hole of, whoa, I haven't been trying hard enough. I haven't been pushing hard enough, but I know, I know when I can separate myself, when I can be mindful about it and say, okay, I'm having that thought, but it's not important. It's really not important to the work that I do and the work that I want to do. You also know that that's a totally different business model at that point, right? That's Many of the more high-profile content creators, they're being compensated through third parties. So they're being compensated by their paid posts, their sponsored posts, and the advertising dollars that's coming into them. And we see this in the yoga world and Instagram, which is there's a lot of people that have an unbelievably huge Instagram following, but don't actually have many students. 
Where they're able to monetize that is through a clothing company that is paying them for ads or a Mac company that's paying them for ads, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just something for most of us to remember. It's actually a totally different business. It's more of a business to business model than it is a business to consumer model. Mm -hmm. What for you is, before we go even further down that Instagram rabbit hole. Yeah, we don't need to. Um, what for you is just another reason why you think it's helpful for yoga teachers now to have just a consistent digital marketing strategy? So yes, just to reiterate before I get into your question, just to reiterate about showing up. As you said, think about your student base. Think about the people who come to your classes. Think about the people who you want to come back to your classes and think about what might make their day a little bit better today? What might they be struggling with right now? What, how can I, as a yoga teacher, offer them some of the simple tools that I know can make them get through this time? Like this time is hard. There's just, it's just hard for everyone. And so that's kind of what I mean by showing up. I just kind of, you, you sparked that thought in me and I wanted to share that. I just want to throw something in from a teacher's perspective, which is, One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, and I know a lot of teachers are going through it, is because we're not in the same room as our students, the feedback communication loop just isn't there, Mm -hmm. right? Most of us are a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm bringing this up to remind remind everyone that what you're saying is so important and it's hard right now. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult right now to really think about our students because... Even if we're seeing them on Zoom, it's still different. It feels a little bit less connected. It feels a little bit less intimate for most. But that isn't decreasing the reality that as a yoga teacher, you can be really helpful and impactful in their life. And so it's just that much more of an important reminder that we do what we can do to, to try to recall and engage with the people that, we're, that we care about and that we're helping. Absolutely. You re- absolutely. I think that getting back to your question in terms of another reason that it's important, and we've touched on this a little bit, but I've heard you say to your some of your students lately, rarely is a technology introduced and embraced, and then it suddenly goes away, right? right? So this applies to teaching yoga too. Here we are, we're all teaching, teaching on Zoom and sharing things online, and that's in all likelihood, not going to completely go away, even if and when studios reopen. So when you start creating online content, you are just setting in motion the idea that you are going to build a long-term online business for yourself. And even if you don't know the shape of that yet, even if you don't know any strategic financial, how you will accomplish, accomplish that you just start. I mean, that's what I did with the podcast. That's what I did with our blog all those years ago and building our blog consistently over time, built our newsletter. And guess what? Our newsletter helps us now helps us sell online programs that we never knew we would even have at that time. So you kind of have to think of this early getting the content out there, getting yourself consistent, building up those muscles, building up your comfort with interacting with your students in this way and putting yourself out there in this way. It can be a little bit uncomfortable. You just have to think 
this is my work. I, I want to invest in my business. I want to invest in myself. Yeah, there's, I think there's two things from that I want to pick up. You know, we don't spend a ton of time going over our Google Analytics. I think I, we would lose our mind. But we have blog posts that I wrote or that you wrote years ago that people still read. Yeah. You know, so the, the content tale for online is it's really long, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's just another avenue or another pathway that either A, you can see as a business lead and or B, you can see it as a way to provide people with an education on the subject matter that you like. I think the other thing that comes up is when I converted my first live module to, on, to online, I knew that I wanted to really consider the production value. And I wanted to consider the production value for a long time. And I was fortunate enough to have a good friend that's in cinematography to give me a lot of guidance. And I, to be honest, I didn't hesitate for me with the costs. We are fortunate to be able to invest in that part of the business. But as I was doing that, it just became so clear to me, the internet's not going away, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so I still want to be able to be in the same room as people. And at the same time, there's just no doubt that there is only going to be a further integration of online content over time. Mm-hmm. That this is without a doubt going to be a growth part of a yoga teacher's livelihood and a yoga teacher's ability to communicate to an audience. Mm -hmm. So it feels, whether it's a financial investment or if someone doesn't, if we don't have the resources, more of a time investment, but putting our heart and our thoughts and our time into creating this content online is a thousand percent worth it. Yeah, absolutely. When I was growing up and my dad would get on me about my grades or something, he would always say, you know, like, I just want you to believe in education because education gives you choices. And I, I understood what he meant, even from a very young age. And, and it's kind of similar with, with creating your own content at this point. It, you might not know what it's going to look like two, three, five years from now. Definitely don't know what it's going to look like 10 years from now, but you're giving yourself options. You're giving yourself different mediums in which you express your skills and your unique traits to the world. Do you think it's also a place where the content that we provide is both a free promotional tool, but also just an ability to establish a certain amount of passion or credibility or authority uh, within an aspect of the subject, yes. with an aspect of, the, of teaching is what I meant to say. Yes. So I think it's important to remember that I, I think sometimes we can get really down on like, I don't want to have to market myself online. I don't want to totally. have to do these things. I don't want to have to deal with Twitter or with social or with Instagram. I don't want to have to do these things. We probably and- don't have to deal with Twitter. Right. Well, you and I don't because we're not, we just, we started Twitter accounts, but we're just not really made for it. So I, anyway, that's a whole other topic is deciding, you know, just going. We're made for photographs. (laughs) (laughs) Just going with what you are comfortable with. That's a different topic, but where was I going with this? So we all, it can get really easy to feel 
burdened by this. And, but I try to remind myself that these are all right now, these are free tools, right? You might not like the algorithm, but you're not paying for it. You're not paying for a billboard. You're not paying for advertising on a, a TV broadcast. You are able, you, you have the capability to self-publish. You don't have to write 50 cold pitches to different editors that never get responded to. You get to just carve out your little corner of the universe and write your thoughts down however you want to say them and put it out there. So yes, it is a, a great tool. It's a great promotional tool question. And it does lend authority. It does lend authority. So that was that I think that's been an unexpected benefit for me in creating the podcast. I did not create the podcast really with any strategic <laughs> business in mind, other than you told it, me you did. Other than I know exactly. Other than I wanted to do it. I yeah. didn't I did not create the podcast to to become an online authorities or influencer or anything like that. And it's been a really pleasant surprise to me that people are interested in what I have to say. And so I that's just another thing to to let you know is that as I said it can be really hard to compose even the smallest simplest thing can feel a, can feel really vulnerable and like kind of raw and it depends on your personality but it can feel challenging to share yourself online. You will be surprised by how many people feel so much like you do. You will be surprised by how if you do it, you'll find your people. I feel like I found my people. I want to reflect on marketing. And I want everyone to that gets like a little queasy or a little pit in their stomach at the thought of it. I want them to pause, stop, and listen. Which is, I can't stand the thought of marketing. So I don't think about marketing. Mm-hmm. I just teach. I teach in a different format. So for me, I really like to teach and I feel really comfortable in the seat of the teacher. I feel really comfortable creating content for workshops, for trainings, for retreats, for drop-ins. So I just figure out ways to, when I'm creating content for a real live class, I essentially just figure out ways to repurpose that thought, that feeling, that sentiment, that instruction, that emotion, that experience via an Instagram post or our conversation here, mm -hmm. right? And so I really never think about what I do as marketing writing, mm -hmm. although it does also serve the point of marketing. Mm -hmm. But again, I just think to myself, what am I trying to teach when I'm teaching a yoga class? And are there anything from that class that I can also teach or comment on in an Instagram post. That's it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I do, I think that I've talked about this in another podcast that we've done that was much more specifically about social media, is just on my phone, I have a little app with a spreadsheet. And a lot of times after class, well, it's a little different now, but after pre-COVID classes, I would go back, I would sit in the car, and then I would think about what I just taught and then write down two or three things in the spreadsheet. I'd write something like uh, rotation of the shoulder blades, handstand, visual focus, right? And then I'd write something like 
what you put into the process of learning handstand is probably going to give you more benefit than just being able to do handstand. Mm -hmm. And those would be things that would naturally come up for me while I was teaching. But then those are two posts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So again, kind of the point that I make is some people will feel very comfortable with, uh, with marketing. But if you're a yoga teacher, you teach, you teach 90 or 60 minutes at a time. You talk all day long and you say things that are impactful. So figure out how to, in any given class, just pull a couple things or a, a few things from that and lay it out in a different format. I think the one more thing too, and you know, we've talked about this in a lot of different settings, but I know for me as a teacher teaching public classes, I know the handful of things that are most important for me to teach. I also know from me as a teacher teaching teachers, the most important things that I want to teach teachers. There's a lot of, you got it, <laughs> yes. right? I teach public classes, okay. but I'll teach, teach teacher trainings. Yeah. So in my teacher trainings, I know what I really want to teach. Mm -hmm. And those things lend themselves really well to writing mm -hmm. posts. Mm -hmm. So I write a lot of posts about sequencing. I write a lot of posts about anatomy. I wrote a lot of posts about injury management. I write a lot of posts about the experience of being a teacher. And so all of these things, I think that they can come pretty naturally from teachers so long as we frame it right. And these things also are these deep wellsprings for our online content. Mm -hmm. Yes, I really think I only even started using the word marketing maybe two years ago because, I mean, I was an editor and with editorial and sales and marketing in magazines, there is there is a line between them and never the twain shall meet. So I think I was- Do you think that's still the case? Yeah, I do. It, it, for magazines, yes. It's in print. You think that's- Yeah, yeah okay, I do. Okay. I think I was even a little bit snotty about the idea of marketing, right? So I will say in terms of creating content, I think you have it on the nose. Think I like to think of it more as creating content is a form of teaching or it's a form of problem solving or it's a form of storytelling. So you, I don't encourage people to think marketing as they're writing. But if I could go back and do certain things again, uh, you know, over again, I, I do think it's really important for yoga teachers to more strategically connect the dots between what they are about to teach, whether it's online or in person, and how much they need to promote that teaching, right? And so I, I, I agree with you. And I also feel like it's okay to get comfortable with the idea that you want people to show up for your teaching. That's how you're going to survive and stay in this profession. And one of the easiest ways to get people to show up is for them to know it exists. And so as you are telling them that it exists either directly through a post or indirectly through a related topic, like, a, like let's say you're doing a handstand workshop in three months. So you do like five handstand blog posts and you promote them on social media and you're helping people. And then they, and at the same time, you're able to promote the workshop. They kind of understand your approach. They understand your voice. They understand your teaching and they're more likely to show up. So 
that's where I would like for yoga teachers to, to get more into feeling comfortable about that and not feeling like, I don't know, embarrassed. I remember when I was really new to seeing Facebook to, and then a few years later, Instagram. And I remember, and I think in part it was a generational thing and kind of just like you said, the line between being editorial and being marketing, how you felt maybe a little snobbish. Mm -hmm. I felt the exact same way. I felt like, oh my God, look at all this posing, look at all this blah, 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 (laughs) look at all this self-promotion. And there is some of that. Don't get me wrong. But I also also realized I was just triggered. I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was really insecure. Mm -hmm. I saw that all of a sudden kind of the route of attention and livelihood changed. That it wasn't just from, you know, your teacher asks you to teach and then you continue to grow and teach and therefore you have more students. It's not word of mouth, yeah. It's word of mouth and then you get a better class time and then there's enough people that want a workshop. Like, that's how it was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I felt all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, this person that can do handstand, all of a sudden if people are paying attention to them. And I realize now the amount of insecurity that that triggered within me. And I also know that that is also a place where many people are drawn to the practice, where many people learn. And I've started to realize over the years that it's not a, if you can't beat them, join them situation, but it's that online and in social media, I need to have a presence and a strategy to consistently communicate what I value and why I want people to come to that class. The last thing is there's so many times that people will feel insecure or self-promotional about something, and I get it. So if you feel that way, just ask yourself a question. Is it a good thing for someone to come to your class or anyone's class and do yoga? The answer is probably yes. If not, you should probably reconsider your job, Mm -hmm. right? So think in some ways that you're not trying to be self-promotional. You're trying to promote people's engagement with the yoga practice. Mm -hmm. And that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Totally. I, I, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if it's like, Gabby Bernstein that says this, but it's like you you kind of think of it as as serving your people rather than trying to sell to your people. What else? What other final thing or final things do you feel like this process of having just a consistent digital strategy or just starting to think along these lines, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What's another reason that you think this is like worth people's time? Yeah, I truly a hundred percent and I am biased, right? Because I have been, my whole career has been about create, creating content, but I truly believe that every time you create a piece of content, it's helping you grow more comfortable with that material. It will help you when you have to articulate it in in a different format. It will help you when you go back to your teaching and teach it live. It will help you know more about the topic and it will help you actually hone your own voice and your own approach. I think one of the things that keeps us from creating content is this feeling of like, 
Well, why does anybody care what I have to say? It's been said a million times before. Well, actually, it hasn't. Believe it or not, it hasn't. You know, you just have to share enough, often enough, that you, you've got a voice and you've got something, you're clear on, on how to express your unique point of view. And that comes over time. That doesn't have to come out of the gate. That doesn't, that's not going to be instant for most people. It wasn't for you. And I think you have one of the most clearly defined voices that I know, but it just, you develop it over time with practice like anything else. I've always believed in multidisciplinary heterogeneous approaches to things, including teaching. And I know that I do not like to write. I don't like to write anything. Blog post, long format article, short format Instagram post. Like I, ha- I don't think I've ever had a moment of joy while writing. Hmm. I d- one of the things that I don't have is I, I, I'm just never in flow. I'm in my own head when I write. I'm in my own doubt when I write. Mm. I'm in my own insecurity and perfectionism when I write. I'm not that way actually when I teach because I don't have time to be when I teach because teaching's live, mm-hmm. right? But when I do write, I'm required to think through things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm required to do something that... What I'm imagining right now is when people are not in the batter's box, but right prior to the batter's box, and they're taking their preparatory swings and they have have the weighted bat, right? So they have extra weight on top of the bat. I never knew that. Really? No. So when they take the weight off the bat, it it has a lighter swing to it, right? So so you're training with something difficult, Mm. right? So that when you step into that situation, you have a, you have more lightness to that process. Right. And so I think about that in these terms is it's actually so hard for me to as, as deeply satisfying as it is, it's hard for me to organize content. It's hard to organize thought. It's hard to structure a sentence. It's hard for me to get through a sentence, but I do it. And by doing it, it makes it much easier to do the things for me that are naturally easier. Mm-hmm. I'm a much more natural verbal communicator than written communicator, right? And I always have been. Uh, but those skills reinforce each other. Absolutely. You know, I also think I think the last thing I want to say on the subject is that at some point as a yoga teacher, not at some point, but at, at all points as a yoga teacher, you really do have to keep yourself growing. You really do have to keep changing and growing and evolving and refining and and getting into it and getting lost and getting confused or my God, you're going to get bored. Mm -hmm. With any career. With with anything, right? For me, changing mediums from print to podcasting was the same thing. It was like, oh, I'm kind of terrified to to speak instead of Instead of, right, guess I better do that because I'm really bored with what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And you, I mean, you know, because you've lived through these 300 hour conversion to digital, right? And all the stuff that we're, that we're going to roll out, you know, like how stressful it is, right? You see how stressful it is. You're a part of that stress. And I also know that in the long run, this is helping me understand my content better Mm. by refining it, by organizing it, by doing all the things that I'm doing because I actually am so out of my comfort zone, right? 
that I'm back in that place of, in some ways, also being more compassionate and empathetic to people because I'm uncomfortable myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I also think that this whole process, even though sometimes I feel fumbly in it, I know that in the big picture, it's, it's honing my craft. It's refining every element of it. And so I can, I can only take it as like a short-term stressor, but a long-term quality gain. There's so much growth that's, that's coming from the process. Yeah. Which doesn't mean I enjoy every moment of the process. So, yeah, I think that's great inspiration. Great place for us to jump off and say, go out there and create some content. You can do it. We believe in you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me back, by the way. You're welcome. Can I come on again? Yes, you were well-behaved enough that you may. Okay. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. It was nice to be back into the banter with Jason. I will actually be launching a course soon. Date TBD, because that's how I roll. As soon as Jason finishes a program, I get back. To, I get to go back to my own creative work. So I will be launching a course soon, all about creating your own content. It will give you inspiration. It will give you a system for creating a calendar for yourself. It will give you templates and instruction and inspiration. So if you would like to be among the first to find out about that course offering, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. You can sign up on our website. So go to jasonyoga.com and you'll see a little invitation with a subscribe button and you will be a part of our community. I always announce things there first. I always announce special offers there first. So there are perks to signing up. I hope this episode was helpful to you. If you have any questions that come up, around the episode, please feel free to send them to me at support at jasonyoga.com or you can post them on social media and we will circle back and try to get them answered. All right, everyone, until next week, enjoy your practice. Mm-hmm.